The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Welcome into our Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. After a tough beat for the Cats last night at number 9 Alabama, we'll talk about that today from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio with Chris Fisher of the Cats Paws and Kyle Tucker of the Athletic. And let's just roll right into the Wildcat news of the day. This Kentucky had a shot, a good shot, to get an upset against number 9 Alabama last night, but the Cats get outscored 18-5 to over the final four minutes, turning a two-point lead into a 70 70- to 59 loss. Uh, I thought going into this stretch of five games against teams that were in the Ken Palm top 40, um, well, the hardest, the easiest game was going to be the LSU game, and they got that one. And the hardest game, I think, was uh, going to be, uh, and I say easiest, uh, you know, it's um, not not easy, especially when you're struggling to score, but the best chance for a win was going to be against LSU, and they got that one. The most difficult uh, opportunity to get a win was going to be at Alabama, and they had it in their hands last night and let it slip away. Uh, so now they've got uh, Texas coming up at home this week, and then at Missouri and uh, Tennessee at home. Um, and I think Alabama reminds me a little bit of the uh, Florida team in 2014 that uh, waxed Kentucky twice. Finally, in the SEC tournament, the Wildcats nearly beat them, but uh, it was a uh, it was a obviously really young Kentucky team against a veteran Florida team, and it was just a, a bad matchup uh, every time. Finally, Kentucky got to a point where they were playing with enough confidence that they, they gave the Gators a bit of a run. Um, it kind of feels like the same deal where Alabama is uh, just a veteran club, guys that uh, you know can score uh, against a Kentucky team that is struggling to score. And even though Kentucky uh, really gave a tremendous effort defensively, I mean, yeah, they had some breakdowns. They uh, had trouble guarding Jaden Shackelford uh, down the stretch, but uh, played well enough to win again. Um, this is now the fourth time that Kentucky has held an opponent under 40% from the field and lost. And the win rate in that situation was 90% under John Calipari coming into this season. Kentucky matches a season low in points. With about 12 minutes to go, they had not turned the ball over in the second half. They had nine for the game. Uh, should have been ahead by more at that point with those numbers, but they uh, were right there. And then they had eight turnovers in the final 12 minutes, uh, several of them on offensive fouls. And so Bama ends up scoring 20 points off turnovers. And when you struggle offensively like Kentucky does, you keep giving the other guys uh, 20-plus points on turnovers. Um, it, it's just hard to find a script to get a win. Um, so Alabama, I think, had 28 the first time, had 20 last night off turnovers. Uh, Calipari in his postgame uh, lamented guys that are passing up shots again. Uh, also a lack of toughness. You look at the first the four possessions coming out of the timeout after Kentucky led 54-52. 
And I saw her maybe had gotten fouled, got them to a media timeout. Kentucky wasn't in the bonus yet, so they play it in on the side, run a play, get an open shot for Dante Allen in the corner, missed it. Not going to hit them all. He made four threes. But, you know, so he got a good look there. Um, so you come, uh, you go back down the next time, and I think it was a B.J. Boston turnover. Then the next time, uh, you get Mintz, uh, who played well, uh, rimmed out a three from the top of the key that would have put Kentucky up by one. And then the possession after that is a turnover. And then it just went uh, further downhill from there. So we'll talk about all of this today with uh, our guests on the program and uh, analyze it for the Wildcats as they get set to come back home and face the Texas uh, Longhorns, who lost last night uh, 80-79 at home to Oklahoma. Also, a couple of other notes uh, from UK football. Juco linebacker Joko Willis has decommitted from Kentucky. I think there were some reports in recent weeks that uh, made it seem to be likely that this one might be coming. And so I doubt the Kentucky folks were surprised. Reports say he's probably headed to South Carolina. Also, reports say that wide receiver Khalil Branham is leaving UK. Um, Kentucky just picked up a new recruit, wide receiver, uh, in the transfer from Wandale Robinson. So um, Khalil wasn't able to crack the rotation this year. Uh, normally think a guy might hang around more than a, than just one season. Just, uh, uh, But nevertheless, uh, he is uh, leaving UK apparently. Mitch Barnhart's named to the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. He is setting up the men's basketball committee uh, this season, and uh, now we'll be moving on to the College Football Playoff Selection Committee as well. And reports say, well, actually, it's not reports anymore. It's actually official. Tennessee has hired Central Florida's Josh Heupel as their new head coach. And the new AD at Tennessee just came from Central Florida, so he brought his coach with him. Uh, Heupel has had experience in the SEC most recently as the offensive coordinator at Missouri in 2016 and 2017. Uh, former Oklahoma quarterback, uh, worked under Bob Stoops out at Oklahoma. Um, and so Tennessee has uh, their new head coach, a uh, guy that uh, put up a lot of points at uh, Central Florida. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And we're heading to a break. Chris Fisher from the Cat's Paws will join us when we come right back. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Sixteen past the top of the hour. It's the Wednesday edition of the Leach Report, and we go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. We're going to Chris Fisher from Catspaws.com. Uh, at one point last night, uh, saw a tweet pop up, Chris, from you. Every offensive trip for Kentucky feels like the equivalent of converting a third and long. I thought that that feels about right. Yeah, it's you know I'm I'm about at my wits end with this uh, Kentucky offense. It, last night was just another game that you know they kind of threw away. They, they played so well defensively. I'm not sure you know in in several of these games Kentucky could have played much better defensively, and the offense just simply can't score enough points to 
to win the game. I mean, you look at um, you know some of the the games that they've lost uh, this season. You know, allowing you know 62, 63, 66, 70 points last night. They had they held Alabama to fifty two at the four minute mark, and you would think that would be good enough to win. And it's just not for uh, for this Kentucky offense. Hey, I was saying in the open that uh, this feels a little like that 2014 Florida team that was just a really bad matchup for Kentucky. Part of it with Alabama is that uh, they, they're veteran guys. Uh, they, uh, they play Kentucky physically. And so a uh, couple of guys that Kentucky, uh, of late in particular, has leaned on for about 20 to 25 points between them per game, uh, B.J. Boston and uh, Keon Brooks have uh, struggled in both games against the Crimson Tide. Uh, and and uh, B.J. is making some impro- some improvement uh, in playing through contact, but still not enough, uh, as we saw last night. And then, for whatever reason, uh, Keon has struggled in two games against them, too. So you get 12 points out of those two guys last night when you would, you know, if you get somewhere around your norm, then that gives you a better chance to win. Yeah, and I think this team as a whole struggles with physicality, mm-hmm. um, teams that um, can rough you up. And I think that was a concern coming into the season. I mean, this team was really, really tall and long, but didn't really have that, you know, that enforcer, that Reed Travis type that, uh, you know, could mix it up inside. And they have a tendency to, to get uh, pushed around a little bit, whether it's, you know, on, in the post, you know, Olivier Saar not being able to to hold his position or getting, you know, pushed around for rebounds or not being able to finish through contact. And you know, John Calipari talked last night about how guys almost try to avoid contact. And you look at the, the foul disparity, that definitely played into Alabama's favor last night. Those guys were seeking contact and mm-hmm. creating contact and getting to the line. And uh, there was a huge uh, free throw disparity there in the second half that, uh, you know, I think at one point Alabama was three of 18 from the field in the second half. And uh, I think they were either down two or up two. And so uh, really lived at the free throw line in the second half. And uh, that's something that, especially in a league as athletic and physical as the SEC, that uh, Kentucky's going to have to get turned around in a hurry and get comfortable with. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point because Alabama is uh, – and at least in a long time this season, been in a situation where they were struggling to make shots. I mean, they'd been shooting 46% on threes over the last four games. So they're uh, struggling to to play their normal game. So in the second half, uh, they just didn't completely give up on the threes, but uh, they, they didn't lean on them like they typically, typically do and just put their head down and drove it and got to the line a lot. And you would hope that Kentucky guys at some point could uh, take a cue from that and see, okay, we're struggling to make shots. Let's just get to the line. Let's get 20 points as a team at the free throw line every game. And that's another thing. Coming into this season, I thought this team was built to draw a ton of fouls. I mean, you know, trying to guard a B.J. Boston, a Terrence Clark, uh, off the dribble, you combine that with you know maybe a Davion Mintz, and uh, I thought this team would live at the free throw line, similar to to last year's team with Emmanuel Quickly and and Tyrese Maxey, but that hasn't been the case, and it's not going to be the case if you know you're you're trying to avoid 
contact. You know, John Calipari talked about the the flipsy do's that BJ Boston uh, throws up from from time to time. And uh, you know, if you go in there and create the contact, initiate the contact, and absorb it, and, and try to finish, the the referee is going to reward that. But if you're leaning one way or another or trying to avoid it, that's when uh, I think you know the whistle tends to to go the other way. Absolutely true. Going to get to a break. 21 after the top of the hour. Chat with Chris Fisher from catspaws.com, and we'll be right back on the Leach Report Radio Network. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Chris Fisher with us from catspaws.com. On Twitter, it's at ChrisFisher247. Uh, next up is uh, Texas. I said uh, that I thought of this five-game stretch against uh, teams that were either ranked or very close to it in LSU's case, that their best chance to get a win was going to be the LSU game in Rupp, and then the hardest game was going to be the one last night. And so now they come back against Texas, and it's you know a game that they should have a, a, a shot in. The thing is, the way they're playing defense, Chris, they're they're having a shot. They have a shot in just about every game if they can find a way to you know close out games better. They um, I saw a stat. I think this was from Corey Price's uh, Twitter feed where in the final four minutes their combined scoring margins like a minus thirty five and they're uh, plus something plus thirty something for the rest of the game. Yeah, it's it's weird. On one hand, it feels like you're right. Kentucky should have a chance in every game they play because how good they are defensively. Then on the flip side of that, it feels like they don't have a chance in any game because their offense is, you know, so far on the opposite end. But you look at last night's game, it's it's one thing to miss a shot or, you know, to shoot a really low field goal percentage. Alabama scored 20 points off Kentucky turnovers. Imagine what Kentucky's defensive numbers would look like if they were able to take care of the ball and oh, not yeah. give Alabama you know, 20 points off of turnovers. And so that shows you how special this defense um, can be. But the, the turnovers and the, you know, John Calipari talked about passing up open shots for, for harder shots. This offense doesn't produce very very many open shots so when you get them you have to take them uh even if you miss them it's still better than you know a turnover and there's there's too many times when kentucky stands around until there's you know 10 seconds left on the shot clock to to start initiating its offense and then you know they've been really really bad in late clock situations um and we saw that again last night we saw that down the stretch and um just has to find a way to to get that cleaned up. Even if you're not shoot, you know, not making a high percentage, if you can cut down on the turnovers, um, it's it's going to help out your defense that much more. Yeah, you know, with late games, you're you're not getting usually out in transition as much as you do in earlier parts of the game. So it's you know those possession by possession games that uh, is where Kentucky is is breaking down in the end when the the game gets slower and it's you know half court and you have to execute to get uh, at minimum to get a good shot and uh, that's what they rarely seem to do unfortunately yeah and and another component of that i think is mental toughness yeah uh, which is something that this team lacks the mental toughness 
to make a shot down the stretch, the mental toughness to to execute in the final minutes when when the game is on the line. And I mean, there's there's no question about it. This team has has faltered down the stretch uh, much more often than not. I think the Mississippi State game is really the only one where. Uh, you know they they held things together in the in the final minutes and so uh, but the, you know that's also you know part of of being a, a really inexperienced team now you would expect more from uh, from guys like Davion Mintz or Olivier Saar who've been in those positions before but you know honestly a lot of Kentucky's guys haven't and, you know this is their their first trip around the block and so uh, that's another reason why they're they're struggling late in games uh, looking to the future, um, better point guard play certainly would, would help a lot of what we're talking about. And uh, Hunter Salas has uh, set a decision date for late March. Um, a lot of what I'm reading doesn't sound good for Kentucky in his particular recruitment. What are you hearing? Yeah, I think Gonzaga has probably uh, supplanted Kentucky as the leader um, in that recruitment, but there's still a ways to go. I, I think on one hand, you could look at it like, you know, Kentucky has really struggled this season and, uh, you know, Gonzaga's number one in the country and, you know, they're the number one scoring offense and, and, you know, have one of the best freshman point guards in all of college basketball. And that is awfully intriguing to Hunter Salas. On the flip side, part of the reason why he waited until the spring to make his decision was to see how the rosters, you know, start to, to shake out and, uh, where the need is going to be. And if he looks at Kentucky's roster, there's a need there for a point guard, for a dynamic, you know, playmaker in the backcourt. And he could, you know, plug right in there and obviously play right away and, and have a big impact. So I still think it probably comes down to Gonzaga and Kentucky. I think, you know, kind of the trump card that, that Gonzaga has is that he took an official visit to Gonzaga uh, last January before the pandemic, and so he's familiar with that campus, and with the extended dead period, it doesn't look like he's going to be able to visit Kentucky unless it's, you know, kind of like Bryce Hopkins where he comes down on his own dime and just kind of takes an informal look around. And so I would give Gonzaga a slight edge, but I don't think Kentucky's out of it just yet. At Chris Fisher 24-7 on Twitter, catspaws.com on the web. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Tom. Last night in the SEC, uh, Kentucky uh, upcoming opponent, Tennessee. They'll see the balls in Rupp a week from Saturday. Uh, Tennessee uh, held on to defeat Mississippi State last night in Knoxville, 56-53. But the balls are having some struggles right now. Number 12, Missouri was knocked off at Auburn, 88-82. And LSU bounced back from the Kentucky loss to win at Texas A&M, 78-66. Kyle Tucker from The Athletic when we come right back. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. We're coming to you from the Clark's Puppet Shop studio for this Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. And we'll snow on the way apparently later today uh, around the bluegrass. Uh, we go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Kyle Tucker from The Athletic. And um, if you're a Kentucky coach, player, or fan, it was a very frustrating night down in Tuscaloosa, Kyle, because there was a a big upset there for the taking. Yeah, I mean, we may have already realistically reached the point where it's you know SEC tournament title or bust even before that game. But I think if you go win that game on the road, especially after the first matchup where they just took you to the woodshed, 
um, you can at least kind of squint and see the possibilities. You can you can hope, you know, again that hey, you know, this is a top ten win on the road. Maybe we can go on a little run here. Um, I'd say to to see that slip away in the span of the last four minutes uh, and kind of the way it happened, and and again on a night where you played elite defense most of the night, um, I think. I, I just, I mean, I will say this about this team. I'm amazed that they've kind of kept it together as long as they have and seem to continue to, to fight and, and play as if they're playing for something um, because they've had so many deflating moments. I mean, how many games have come down to the last shot, either by them or somebody else? You know, they've now lost two that they missed at the buzzer and they had one tipped in at the buzzer and, and then this happens. Um but eventually, that's going to break your spirit, right? At some point, I, you, it's got to break your spirit, and I and I feel like now, after that, they're all they're absolutely to the point of of SEC tournament title or bust, and they've got to. I guess they're just going to have to think of it if it's possible to get yourself in this frame of mind. Use the next ten games um, to to get competent enough on offense that you can score seventy points in a game. Uh, and hope you can do that three times in a row in Nashville. Yeah, any game they, it feels like any game they get north of seventy, they'd have a, a you know better than fifty fifty chance certainly to win it. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you look at you look at the defensive numbers at this point. They're now up to twelfth uh, nationally in defensive efficiency. I mean that that's terrific. They, they, that's championship level. Uh, defense and they're not always perfect. You know, they they uh, left a bunch of guys open for threes the last time they played Bama, and then let a bunch of guys drive to the basket uh, the first time they played Bama. And they did that a little bit down the stretch as well, which was was hurt them. Uh, but in general, they are they are good enough defensively that just an okay night on offense, just a very run of the mill average night uh, should give them a chance to win. And and, and I think that's got to be the most miserable, frustrating thing for Cal Perry, and I know it is for anybody that's watched this team or had to sit through watching this team, is they just they can't even scrape together an average offensive night, almost ever. I mean, they, they're 0-10 now when they score uh, 65 points or fewer, which means 10 times out of 15 games they have scored 65 points or fewer. It's, it's shockingly bad. You know, you look at uh, this game last night, and Kentucky found a, a way defensively to uh, keep Alabama from going crazy at the three-point line. Um, they uh, forced some turnovers, 14, um, so Alabama was even assist to turnover. And uh, But what Kentucky – It's I guess the ironic thing is that Kentucky, it seems like through two games now, has a, more of a struggle with Alabama's defense – then it has a better chance against Alabama's offense than it does against Alabama's defense. Ironically, for the way Alabama plays, uh, their defense is, I think, certainly seems underappreciated. But you look, Kentucky shot thirty nine and a half percent on the two point shots, where they typically get uh, the bulk of their points. Last night they were even worse, thirty two and a half percent. Uh, Keon shoots 57% on twos. He was two for six. Um, BJ Boston uh, two for nine. Uh, and those are guys, uh, those two, you need to get some points from. And then uh, Devin Askew is uh, not giving them anything uh, point production-wise right now. And there was early in the season, Cal took him out of the starting lineup, uh, played him off the ball some. 
Uh, is is it time where they may have to have Devin take a step back again to try to move forward? Yeah, I mean, you, you want to just if you want to just distill it down, and, and this is not this is not blame Devin Askew for all their problems, but if you want to just distill down to the simplest issue they're having, I mean, Cal said it last night. There, there's not a guy you can just give it to, get out of the way. He can go one on one and get a basket. I mean, they do not have that guy. You know, B.J. Boston is the closest thing they have to that, and he's very, obviously, very hit or miss uh, and, and just as likely to do something that hurts you as help you a, a lot of times. Um, and then, you know, you, you'd hope that guy would be your point guard, and they've had so many great point guards, but the point guard play has just been a mess. Um, you know, Davion Mintz has handled it some, but he's a guy who shouldn't be in. Uh, they didn't bring him in to be a high-usage guy, and he shouldn't be in that role. He's, he's carrying uh, too heavy of a load for them. Um, and, and Devin Askew just can't do it. I mean, he the fact that he's played 83 minutes over the last three games and not made a single field goal um, is hard to believe. I mean, 0 for 13, he came in in the second half, and I thought that, I thought that was a really eyebrow-raising thing. I mean, he, Cal has acknowledged that there's diminishing returns the more you play him and, and – Sometimes he does need to take that step back, but he played 15 minutes in the second half. Uh, and until the, the final 28 seconds when he shot two free throws, he did not record a stat of any kind uh, in that second half in, in 15 minutes of action. That, I mean, that just won't work. I mean, you cannot have your starting one of your starting guards go three games without making a single shot from the field. Um, and I just don't know how you fix that. You know, they're, they're not other players to go get right now. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, do you, do you try – you can try to scheme around it. I don't know what that would be because, you know, consistency is an issue. You cannot count on any guy at all um, being really good on a given night. They all have been a little bit here and there, but none of them you say, oh, well, we at least know this guy will, will score if we get him in good positions because it, it just hasn't been the case. I looked up a, a stat last night, and um, we didn't get a chance. It's a little bit of a, a long-winded one, so we didn't get a chance to actually work this in. But I think it, it illustrates kind of what you're talking about there, about counting on guys. Um, Alabama had uh, multiple players that had simply scored three consecutive games of double figures all year. Um, that happened you know, multiple full times. Uh, Kentucky has B.J. Boston, and he had a stretch, I think, early in the year of maybe eight straight games. So if you take him in groups of threes, he had six times he scored double figures three games in a row. The only other guy who's had one is Sar. He did it one time. Uh, Brooks had a chance to get to three in a row last night. So there's just uh, no no consistency of what you can depend on from night to night. Yeah, and the other thing, you know, that I think goes back to ultimately does go back to the coaches is, is there's been a lot of flailing, and I and I mean I understand too because you don't know, you, I mean because you can't count on anybody, uh, you know, it's a little bit chicken and the egg. But there's been so much just sort of frantic uh, lineup changing, sub, sub, these, these sort of wild sub, substitution patterns, um, oddball groupings together. Uh, we keep seeing the three big lineup, which, I mean, you know, we can debate that with 
Cal Perry until he's blue in the face, but the data says that's a terrible lineup. Uh, you know, and the, and the one thing, you know, uh, Hoops Insight, if you a lot of people follow him on uh, on Twitter, does a lot of really in, interesting in-depth statistical uh, breakdowns of Kentucky and Louisville. Um, you know, the, the, the three-man combination that, you know, depending on who you put them out there, just anytime those three are together has been the most productive offensively for Kentucky – has been a, a, a grouping of uh, Dante Allen, Keon Brooks, and Isaiah Jackson, uh, and they played zero possessions last night. And in my mind, you know, with those guys, if you have Mintz and Boston, that's probably their best offensive five, and and, and a good enough, I think, defensive five. Um, and those guys almost never play together. Um, and so I, I do think Cal's going to have to get out of his comfort zone he, cite, he cited a little advanced metric data here a couple weeks ago about points per possession and lineups that work i think he's just gonna i mean i mean what what does he have to lose but to just go all in on the on the data and say okay what what does the data tell us is a lineup that actually can score um because they've got to try just about everything at this point again to me they are to the to the the stretch of the season where you've essentially conceded that you're, you're going to do enough in the regular season to get an invite to the tournament. They'd almost have to win out. I think maybe win, lose one more game. And so you, you've you got to, especially if you lose Saturday at Texas, I think then you, you accept your fate and you say we're going to use the last nine or ten games to find a way to find a combination of players that will get us to 70 points. That's a low bar. But, but you're playing good enough defense that if you can say we're a 70-point-per-game offense, we can win every single game. And do that until you, until you hit on that combination so that you can go try to win three games in a row in Nashville. That, that's pretty much what they're up against, that and development for next season. We need to get to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue with Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com here on the Leach Report Radio Network. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Kyle Tucker's with us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Uh, he and a couple of colleagues had some quick thoughts after the uh, Bama game last night, uh, which you can see uh, if you're a, a subscriber to TheAthletic.com. I saw you tweeted you've got something, uh, a little deeper dive on this coming later today. Yeah, it's, uh, let me see, I just uh, posted about 20 minutes ago on the site, so. Ah, okay, so it's there now. Anything else uh, exciting you're working on? Uh, i got a couple projects, uh, nothing to talk about just yet, but uh, working on a couple things. Um, you know, one of the things in, in the, the piece that just posted this morning, I thought one of the, we were talking about SEC tournament or bust, I thought the most interesting thing said in the post game was, was Cal, sort of facetiously and with a grin saying, I love conference tournaments. I'll be really <laughs> disappointed if we don't play conference tournaments. And that, that was interesting to me because I think it's the closest he's come to sort of conceding that, you know, the traditional method by which Kentucky makes the NCAA tournament is just about out the window at this point. Yeah, it's uh, they have, uh, it, to say the margin for error is, is thin uh, is uh, about the best you can say. Um, I think they'll have conference tournaments um, I, uh, I i know there's some uh, there'll be some stories out there where i think there was one i saw was like a fourth of the coaches uh are uh, you know don't think they'll have them or something to that effect you know a fourth of the coaches hope they don't have them every year or more so uh 
I, I think they'll uh, have them. It's it's TV programming. It's I think the virus numbers will continue to get a little better as we move toward March. The vaccine numbers will get better. I, I'll be surprised if they don't have them. Uh, some maybe some don't happen, but I think uh, certainly the the bigger ones that are uh, where there's a big TV commitment, I think we'll have. And obviously, Kentucky needs it. Yeah, well, you're you're right about that. I mean, the the, the basic reason you're going to see them probably is TV inventory, and, and for the same reason that come hell or high water, they're going to play an NCAA tournament this year. We saw a report that they, the NCAA lost eight hundred million dollars by not playing last year. Um, to a lesser extent, that's true of the conference tournaments. I mean, you you you've been paid by these uh, TV networks to televise your your league tournaments, and that's a massive amount of games. Um, that I don't think you can just uh, wipe off the wipe off the schedule. I think if anything, you try to push back, you know, push back the NCAA tournament a week to give that buffer. There is a compelling case to be made for having a, a week of nothing as a sort of buffer to make sure everybody tests negative and, and everybody's at full strength when the NCAA tournament starts. But uh, but I think you're right; they will probably play the, the league tournament. Um. Cal said something else after the game. Uh, I don't know if it was with you guys. I know I asked him on uh, radio. I said, do you think uh, Terrence Clark can help the problems you're talking about? And he seemed very eager to to say uh, yes several times on that. I don't know if we'll see Terrence as soon as Saturday. didn't sound like that would be the case. But uh, it kind of feels like he's going to put the ball in his hands as soon as he gets back. It's interesting because I've kind of swung back and forth between wondering if Clark was ever even going to suit up for them again, and and then wondering, you know, how much of an impact he could make. To, you know, here here's the thing, Cal said we don't have the guy that can just get get by somebody. The only player on the roster that has any hope of that uh, is Terrence Clark. I mean, yep. we saw early in the season, for all his own own work, Clark could could get by people, um, and they've got to hope that he can he can do that enough. Um, to create some baskets for himself, to, to get some open looks for other guys. Um, you know, I don't know if it's enough or too little, too late. But there is, you know, you dangle that hope out there. And I, you know, the one thing that everybody can hold on to, although I think it's lost some of its uh, sort of magic in the every year since it happened. But 2014 is kind of will always be held out there as it's, you know, it's never too late if you can just get in. Um, because that was a team that looked dead in the water um, and then went on that crazy run. So could it happen? Could they, Could they? you know, one piece, you know, the tweak, the famous tweak of 2014, could, could Terrence Clark come back and Cal simplifies everything offensively to the point that, okay, we're going to do these three things and we're going to hammer them and we're going to do them well, um, and they go on a little run? Maybe. Again, they, is there something they do well enough to win at a high level? Yeah, they defend at a more than good enough to win at a high level. Um, the offense is just as bad as their defense is good. So it, could you make one or two tweaks and, and have a, a semi-competent offense to go with it, and would that be enough? Uh, I, I, you can't rule it out. I mean, you can't pronounce this team dead yet. Um, but I I think it's, a, it's a perilous at best to put all your hope and dreams into Terrence Clark coming back and lighting the world on fire. Next three games, they still have uh, those opportunities Calipari talked about. You've got uh, uh, you know, a top-ten Texas team. Uh, 
coming to your place, and then you've got uh, at Missouri and, and Tennessee here. Uh, I kind of thought if they could go three and two out of the, the five game stretch, uh, would be good. So that's still possible. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's what what killed them though about the other night is when you've got when when you're looking at that stretch and on the very front end of it, you've got one teed up. Take it. You could steal one on the road. Oh yeah, you've got to you know. And and they just they just have too many of those. I mean that that's going to be the story of the season uh, if they don't get it turned around. Is you know you're one shot against uh, Notre Dame and you're one shot uh, against Louisville, Kansas, um, and you're and you're one shot against Georgia from having three more wins and 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 you know being in a position um, to to you know be right there at the end and, and then now you're you know you've got. This team down, you know, I mean, the Kansas game, they're, they're in it with a handful of minutes to go. All these games, the North Carolina game, you're in it, and then it falls apart. I think so many missed opportunities is, is what I think will ultimately be sort of, when we write the obituary on this season, I think it'll be uh, probably the lead. Kyle Tucker, thank you much. Thank you. You can read his uh, story, this posted uh, a short time ago, at theathletic.com about uh, Kentucky and uh, looking down the road for the rest of this basketball season. We'll get right back to wrap up this edition of the Leach Report in just a moment. This day of Wildcat history presented by the new Rave On app. 68 on this day. It was the first time Kentucky faced off against Pistol Pete Berovich. The Cats won it down in Baton Rouge 121-95. to Mike Casey was Kentucky's leading scorer with 31 points. Uh, the Pistol had 52 points on 51 shots. He was 19 of 51 from the field. And a uh, happy birthday to former Kentucky punter Ryan Talanchka. That'll do it for this edition of the Leach Report. We are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington, and we will see you tomorrow with uh, Mike Pratt, Justin Rowland, and somebody else on the Leach Report. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show, and be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. See you next time, right here on 